0: Mac Power Users, episode 268 Travel Hacks with Leana Lehua. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside my pal, David Sparks. Hey, David.
1: Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. And you know, summertime is here and it seems every couple summers or so, we we decide that we need to do a travel episode. And these are among some of our more popular episodes because we get to talk about all the fun stuff. I think that's one of my favorite things about traveling is getting to pack all of this cool tech stuff that I've bought over the course of the last year, specifically for travel. And uh, I can't think of any better person to have with us than longtime friend of the show and good friend of ours. Uh, please welcome Leanna Lehua to Mac Power users, welcome, Leah. Aloha. <laughs> now, David just got back from Hawaii. I know you're pro- you're getting ready to go later this summer, so I'm a little jealous of you both. It's it's fun. You definitely
2: have to try to get out if, if you can make it. I highly recommend it. I'm sure David would as well. Well, isn't yeah, it's
1: I think it's on, the, on my bucket list. On the East Coast, though, I think everybody goes to like the Bahamas, right? And on the oh, West Coast, the Bahamas, yeah. Everybody goes to Hawaii. I I have I no. Have,
0: no desire to go to the Bahamas. Much okay. rather go to Hawaii.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm with you there, Katie Floyd. And you haven't even been there yet. You have to go no. sometime.
0: I know. Instead, I'm going into the bottom of a hole this summer, though.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, Grand Canyon's pretty cool.
0: Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, we're we're rafting in the Grand Canyon. So, in fact, we no, we won't be as this episode airs, but we're recording a couple of episodes in advance this summer. Thank you, David, for accommodating my schedule, um, because it's hard to record a podcast from the bottom of a hole. On a raft,
1: <laughs> but the uh, you know Kate, uh, Katie and and Lee, we all know each other. But maybe the listeners don't know. Liana Lahua is one of not in addition to be one of the nicest people in the world. Is also just one of the most well traveled people I've ever met. Because now, Liana, you've been, I mean, you do a lot of different work involving technology, and a lot of people, your services are valuable. So you've you've traveled all over the world to uh, to do your work. And you're a geek. And every time you and I talk, you just in casual conversation, something comes out, some little hack you use on all these trips. That just blows my mind. So I said, we need to do a show where Liana just does kind of a brain dump for us and shares this with all of us. And I can tell you, listeners, be warned. This is your chance. I've I've gone through, you know, kind of the outline of the show and I've already ordered two things. So you've been warned. I'm just telling you up front.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I might carry too many things. I hope I remember my hacks. It's one of those things, right? It's kind of something that in uh, just what I would call routine, not that travel is terribly routine, but in routine, in routine, often we just forget about the things that aren't commonplace. So I'm hoping that, you know, you can help trigger some of my memory on some of those things.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know if you listened to the episode, but this episode has been set up for a while because back in June of 2013, Alex Lindsay was on the show talking a little bit about his travel adventures. And and he really set this show up because he, he was singing your praises saying that you were the person who could get all of his, this type of equipment, especially when he was doing multi-camera shoots across countries and third world countries and all kinds of interesting places. And and you were the person who could get all of this stuff where it needed to be on time and in one piece.
2: It was very, yeah, I did listen to that. It, it was, it was very, it was very humbling. It's uh. it's always a challenge. And in, in, in the live streaming world, especially then traveling internationally, everybody has different rules. Um, and then Alex is his own challenge, and I say that um with much respect. he his brain never stops. and so, at any given moment, he's thought of another interesting way to do something that either adds gear, but it's just a way cooler way to do it. it there are a lot of different things that happen, and so it's it's kind of a fun um dance trying to wrangle him and all that gear and information to get it to the next spot. and he he's 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 a he's a definitely a, a very well-traveled traveler as well world traveler as well and uh is constantly on the go so some of it's just keeping up with him and like i said just keeping up with some of the rules and the regulations and uh carnets for gear and we can talk about that or we don't have to it's it's definitely something i don't think most people will do because they won't travel with that much gear um and effectively it's kind of like a, um a, a bill uh or a, a statement of the things that you're bringing into a country, and I think one of the things that trying to make sure that you're doing is not bringing equipment into their quen- country and either selling it or renting it out or doing something that you're not supposed to doing while you're you're in their country. So.
0: Well, one one thing that I think we probably should back up and set this up a little bit is, Leanna, why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? What is, What is this unique and interesting job you have that makes you such a world traveler with all of this tech here?
2: It's fun stuff. Thanks, Katie. I, I, I'm i a producer of live uh, live events that have a live streaming component, and my role is typically as a technical producer. So a lot of jobs, you have a technical producer and then you have a creative producer. Creative producer will typically uh, work with the client to work on run of show, uh, all the details, timing, schedule, um, and a broadcast it would be for commercial breaks, all those fun things. And as a technical producer, I go in with the gear and the crew to just make sure that it gets pulled off. And sometimes they're in just really... Sometimes the locations are easy. It's at a TV studio and we're integrating with the TV studio. I say easy as a relative comment. Some places is, uh, I think we've all worked in places before and anybody who doesn't know, you can go into situations sometimes where you're working with a crew that's a union. And what that means is uh, there are a lot of things that you cannot do yourself that you know how to do. And so you've got to work with the crew and, um, you know, hopefully integrate those systems. So that's the biggest challenge there. And then um, in some of the places that we've gone as a technical producer, I'm in the middle of Scotland and there isn't an internet connection anywhere that's reliable enough to get somebody to a broadcast that has to show up in central London. And so we've got to figure out how to make that happen. And so that's kind of the, um, the joy and the, uh, the privilege I've had to do in the last few years. It's, it's, it's definitely been a challenge and it's something that I would say that you have to be somebody who's got thick skin and, um, Is just uh, really really enjoys problem solving. Doesn't worry. Doesn't isn't worried about it being a real. It's 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 a lot of firefighting, which can be stressful. But I have to say, the opportunity to be able to work on some of the projects I've worked on, um, and with the people I've been able to work with, and the places I've been able to go, entirely worth it.
1: Yeah, we text message (laughs) each other once in a while because Liana lives close to me, and quite often we'll get together for a meal or something, and. And every time I, I message her, she's like in some exotic place doing some massive online streaming thing that's going to go to all these people. And uh, so so you, this is your deal. You know, you get up and you do this stuff. And meanwhile, you're a geek and you've been a geek your whole life. So so how do you combine these things when you you know, when you start planning trips and what type of gear do you take and. And how do you keep connection in places that don't have connection? So that's kind of the idea for the show to give everybody that's uh, going to be doing any sort of traveling, whether it's vacation or business, uh, some good tips to help them pull that off.
2: Um, yeah, the um, I, I. I'm definitely being a geek sometimes, as both of you, I'm sure know, can sometimes and one of the. um. Comments Katie made before we all came on air here to started to record was how big is the bag that I'm carrying, (laughs) and it just depends upon what I'm doing. I've been doing more recent domestic travel in the United States, so so traveling by car more, and it just affords me a lot more to be able to bring some things that I probably wouldn't bring, like a telescope, which which I hadn't talked about, but some different things. Traveling internationally, especially, I really have to pare down my gear, um, and I'm usually. Uh, committed to just a backpack, really, with a laptop and some essentials. And in that instance, it's really what are the things that I need to do to be able to support me while I'm doing a job so I don't always get to bring the things that I want to bring. So there are two different kinds of trips I kind of have to prepare for. Um, On a trip that's a personal trip, I'll bring my big cameras, like I'll bring a Canon 5D Mark III and I'll bring a 70 Mark II. I just, I tried going to the smaller format cameras. Uh, Anybody who's into photography, I tried micro four thirds and mirrorless and just, it just didn't fit my workflow. I'm just, I'm a Canon person. So uh, that's what I shoot. And so when I go on a personal trip, I can take those things. When I'm not on a personal trip, I don't take that, those things. And so um, it pairs down my gear quite a bit. Um, So those are just some of the decisions I have to make. I have to figure out if I'm taking a work trip or a personal trip. And um, what I can sacrifice.
1: Well, I'd like to start by going over your hardware list. You have a checklist here and uh, some things in here that I had never heard of that are actually kind of helpful and some that I don't know what you use them for. And I want to talk about that. But this is actually quite a big list. So maybe before we do that, do you guys want to do our first ad spot?
0: Yeah, we can do that. And our first sponsor for this episode is our pals over at Fracture. And I have a very soft spot in my heart for Fracture uh, because what Fracture does is Fracture just really helps me, you know, brighten up my life because what Fracture does is they take your photos and they print them in vivid color directly on glass. Photos are a big part of my world. I know they're probably a big part of Liana's world too. Um, you, know, you just heard her talk about some of the cameras that she uses. But when you're traveling to these exotic places, and when you're going on vacation, or even if you just have pictures of your family, you you want to do something with these pictures. And so many of us are guilty of taking these photos and just letting them sitting on our computer and do nothing with them. Because you know framing can be hard. Framing can be a hassle. You know, got to get a frame. I got to get a mat. I got to make sure that it matches the wall and does it match what the people are wearing and who's Who's going to do that? And, you know, it just can be a pain. But Fracture takes all of that away. And what they do is you go to their website over at FractureMe.com, and they've got a variety of different sizes. They've got rectangles, they've got squares. You pick your photo, you upload your photo. They've got a great tool that will tell you whether your photo is high enough resolution, how it's going to look on the fracture. Um, and they print your photos directly on glass. And I've had the great fortune to actually see their studio um, and watch this process happening. They've got some very unique technology. It's it's just amazing what they do. Uh, your photo is printed on glass. So you when you reach out and touch the fracture, which you can, I guess you could, it's it's on the wall, Um, but there is nothing really between you and your photo and it just makes your photo pop in the most amazing way. These are great talking pieces. So if someone's going to come into your home or into your office and they see this fracture on your wall or on your desk, uh, it's really something that stands out in a very unique way. And everything that you need to hang this or to put it on your desk comes directly in the box. They ask you at the time that you order, is this something that you're going to hang on the wall? Is this something that you're planning on putting, uh, and mounting on a desk or on a bookshelf? And they include everything that you need in that box to hang it, you know, right down to the screw that you're, you're going to use to put it into the wall. Uh, every fracture is handmade and checked for quality. They, they pack it up elegantly. They ship it direct to you. Um, and they're very reasonably priced. You know, prices start at just $15 uh, for a five-by-five print, which is perfect for those Instagram photos uh, that you capture and, and send off to people. They make great gifts. Um, I have bought several fractures for friends and family members, and I've even bought several gift certificates so that people can then make their own fractures uh, based on their memories. Um, so you can head over to FractureMe.com, check out their website I'm sure you've got a great photo in mind. I know that I'm looking forward to taking several photos on this trip to the Grand Canyon. And I've got a spot in my office already picked out for where that amazing photo is going to go. The hard part is going to be just picking one. Once you've picked your photo or photos, you can use coupon code MAC15, all capital letters, M-A-C-1-5, and save 15% on your first Fracture order. So head over to FractureMe.com, use coupon code MAC15, and thanks, Fracture, for your continued support of the show.
1: So, Liana, um, what iPhone are you using these days?
2: uh, I'm using an iPhone 6. Um, I tried the 6 Plus. It ended up, it just, I couldn't, my hands are too small. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. That, I, yeah. That, that's kind of a running theme on our show. lately. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people tried it and went back to the six, but uh, how much, I know you, you've got some great cameras. You even already talked about that a little bit, but uh, how much do you see the iPhone as a, as a uh, camera?
2: It's, I mean, it's, it, for me, it's a primary camera for sure. And I take a lot of photos throughout the day, you know, as David mentioned, as you mentioned before, you know, very close to Disneyland uh, and some other really kind of fun places so sunsets are a typical photograph and it's just easy enough to be able to pull out the phone and just uh snap snap away and just get a solid camera quality i love the um and i don't know if you see these out where you are katie but along the 405 freeway here where we are i've seen several um made with an iphone billboards uh and there's oh there's no we don't, huge we photos. Don't have those they're amazing i'll take a picture have you seen those david
1: yeah it's great It's so
2: great. It's just amazing that you can do that. The only reason that I ever pull out some of the larger cameras is if I'm trying to shoot um, some high quality video or if there's an HDR that I really, really want to do. And I know I just can't do it with HDR on the iPhone. Otherwise, everything else is iPhone. So it's definitely, you know, even uh, location scouts. So location scouts for uh, the live streaming events. I do the live events. And then some of the other things I'm working on now, just some of the personal uh, creative uh, short films and projects I'm working on. All the scouting I do is with an iPhone 6, and that includes uh, one of the things we look for or pay attention to is the ambient audio in the area. And so I'm often recording like 30 seconds to a minute of ambient audio in the area just to figure out, you know, what, what kind of sounds we're dealing with so that it does everything. And then I could get into an entire show about the cinematography and just the different apps that I use for um, location scouting. But um, it's, it's all iPhone 6
1: let's let's bookmark that we may come back to that. Sure. We have time because I think that is actually an interesting topic. But the um, I, I mean, when the phone started out um, and it had a, had a camera, it was a phone camera. But at some point, it just became a camera. And for a lot of people, I'm always interested in hearing from people who are professional or semi-professional, how much of a camera they use the iPhone six for. Yeah. And, then, and then the other thing on your list here, the second thing you had that you and I presume you take this with you when you pack is the Snap Zoom Digiscope which was just, it sounds a cool name to begin, you know, SnapZoom Digiscope. But I didn't have any idea what it was until I looked at a picture of it. You want to tell everybody what it is?
2: Yeah, it's really cool. I was hesitant at first. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's just another gadget that claims to be able to um, help you zoom, uh, zoom, uh, zoom, zoom when you're using your iPhone as, as, as a camera. And yeah. it really does a good job. So what this does is you can connect your iPhone to, well, I used to connect my iPhone to binoculars that I didn't list that I also carry to be able to shoot just things that are far away. So, and I'm using that mostly for um, recreational stuff. It's not something that I typically will use for any kind of professional setting. But So
0: so you're adding a physical optical zoom to the iPhone. Correct.
2: Okay. And it's really cool for, um, I love going to Yosemite here in California. It's my favorite place. That's not even like an Apple thing. It's <laughs> Before Apple, I loved Yosemite. And um, often on El Capitan, because it sounds very timely, but on El Capitan, uh, people are climbing and I am uh, I climb in my kind of off time. So it's always fascinating to see people in the different routes they're taking. And I can sit out in the meadow in front of El Cap for hours and just watch people climb. What the binoculars with the iPhone allow me to do is, one, I can get closer and kind of see what kind of moves they're making if I wanted to do that. But also I can take some really cool pictures. Um, and the the quality isn't um, you do lose some quality, but versus not getting the photo at all and just being able to remember the moment, um, you know, it's worth it to me to do that. And I've seen other people that I know. I have a friend that has one and uh, takes photographs of different constellations at night. He also lives in a place that's pretty dark. He doesn't have a lot of um, noise or light pollution from the city, and so um, he gets pretty decent photos of stars. It's a really neat. It's really a gadget. You definitely have to mount it on a tripod, because the um, as soon as you add the the extra optical, you add the binoculars, you see shake, and you you can barely move, and you see the shake. So you definitely have to mount it. But hey, it really is a slick thing. You're like
1: multiplying and, the ability to uh, to get a blurry picture right. exponentially. Yeah. Right.
0: And now the, um, with the Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna ask, obviously this has got a special mount that that connects to the iPhone. But generally you're you're probably using your iPhone at home, but also in, you know, some pretty rough terrain. Are you doing anything special to protect it, like with any kind of, you know, rough cases or any kind of underwater type cases, or do you just, just take it?
2: No, uh, there are a couple there are two cases that I really like. And there's one that I have on my phone right now. I was hesitant about it first, and I love it. It's the Life Case Nude, N-U-U-D. And the interesting thing is I, I've, I've read a bunch of things online about it, and people either love it or they hate it. And you really have to check the seals on it to make sure it's waterproof. So the Life Case Nude is a it's a plastic case, but it's got really good water seals on it or not if you've got dust in it. So that's that's one of the things they say is make sure that there isn't any dust. Like even a speck of dust can um, uh, can break the com- seal. Com- compromise the seal. Yeah. So there's no screen protector on it, and so your the screen your screen is naked to the nude, if you will, to the, to to all of the elements. And there's a really tight seal around it, and the rest of the phone is protected, water protected. And I use it in a pool all the time, um, and then I I do some rappelling or canyoneering. And I was at Zion recently, um, and you're rappelling down waterfalls and um i had my phone with me and was able to, to shoot some stuff coming down some of the waterfalls uh with my phone out uh the the thing i have to be careful with and i've been lucky that i haven't had it happen is that um i'm usually carrying it bare like it's in a pocket and i haven't dropped it because the the the, kit, the cover would just or the screen would just break um but that one i love and if i'm not using that one there's a pouch that i use by sea to summit um, I'm trying to remember the name of the case. I'll have to find it. And so if you wanted to link to it, but to see to summit case and it, it's like a dry bag for your phone with uh, plastic that's, this it's optical grade plastic. I don't know. It, you know, I've had instances where water's gotten it, especially salt water, and you can see a spot and you just have to pay attention to it and wipe it off. Um, but that works. I've used that in the ocean and I really like that in the ocean um, because that comes with the lanyard. So I haven't lost that in the. In the in the wild or anything yet so those are the two cases that I, I mostly use. I don't use anything really tough like a um like the defender cases. those are just too big, and it you know these these other case, the life the nude case, the life proof nude case is not huge, so it doesn't take a, take away a lot of the aesthetic to the phone. It does cover the phone, so I think that's one of the things that I kind of dislike doing
1: now does the does the life proof case because I don't understand, so is the screen covered or not covered?
2: It's not covered. It's, it's just your glass is exposed, but the it's, way that it works is the, uh, the, um, the seal, I know it's, it's shady. I, I was hesitant, but I was, I got to try it. Um, the, the seal, the seal touches the screen, but you don't lose any, it's on the, it's on the very outer edges of the screen. So you don't yeah. lose any real estate.
1: Okay. I get it. And so the seal is so good on the glass that the glass is fine if it gets wet, so long as right. no water gets past the seal. Right.
2: Right. The one thing I don't like about the case is that you have to use the Apple cable. You can't use any other cable because of the way the um, the charge, the little charge uh, port is. It's a little waterproof door. Um, and uh, the only cable which really bums me out because it doesn't seem like it would have been very difficult to just make it a little bit wider to fit another cable in there. Uh, but the Apple cable is the only one that will fit.
1: I've got this picture in my mind of you like checking mail on a surfboard.
2: <laughs> I've done hangouts from a from a surfboard before.
1: Okay, why not? Just to just, let them know. Just,
2: just because.
1: <laughs> just in case you guys were wondering, I'm on a surfboard right now. Here's <laughs> this picture. Is where I am. <laughs> the um and then the snap zoom uh is is really it's just a device that aligns your phone's lens to your binoculars or your microscope or whatever op- optical device you have. It, it actually looks really cool. I have a pair of binoculars as well. And I was thinking, you know, this actually could be fun. Um, I didn't see how much, how much does that cost? The Snapchat.
2: It was under a hundred dollars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah this just 100 really $100. an adapter, really.
2: Yeah. It's just an adapter. It's, it's fun. I mean, it's something that, you know, it's, it's, you know, next time, next Disneyland trip, we'll have to take it yeah. out and play around with it.
1: Yeah. Bring it along. We'll have some fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then the, um, and then on the mobile devices, you also use an iPad, right?
2: I do, um, unless I need to. The laptop I carry is um, the uh, in, a mid-2012 uh, 15-inch MacBook Retina, MacBook Pro Retina. It's heavy. <laughs> and so I like carrying my iPad mini because I have the Logitech um, ultra-thin
0: keyboard as well. And most, most... Now, is that, of d- is that the case that's built into the keyboard or no? No, it's the one that's like the smart cover. Oh, okay. So yeah. is that a, full, a full-size full keyboard? Or comp- it is not. it's got to be it's got to be compressed, especially compressed because it's a mini. It is.
2: It is. Okay. It takes a little bit of getting used to. And the key keys on the one that I have are not backlit. Um, not important for me. It's it's you know, I, I Um. Yeah, I don't necessarily need it to be backlit, but if there's another one and I think it's the full one that you're talking about, Katie, that actually has I think that's the one that has um, the backlit keys if somebody's looking for that specifically. Um. But most of the things that I do even on the road I can do from my iPad mini with, the, with the latch keyboard. And I, like I said, my hands are small, so the keyboard doesn't bother me, but like you said, it's not full size. It's definitely compact. And then you have to get, there's some weird functions that you have to use like a function key plus, you know, a a number to get something weird that you wouldn't normally have to use if you're on a full size keyboard.
1: Yeah. And I, I have, um, I've typed on Liana's uh, ultra thin keyboard on her iPad mini and I can't type on it at all. I mean, I think if you have, if you have big hands, don't even go there.
2: Yeah, I think it would be tough, but um, I like it. And so I don't have anything else on my iPad, though. I don't I am not i don't have it covered with anything. Thankfully, I haven't dropped it.
1: Now, <laughs> yeah, but the uh, so now when you when you travel, you're saying that your laptop is, is big. You've got the 15 inch MacBook Pro. Um, right. Um, so what what roles does the iPad fill for you?
2: Um, email, if I'm doing gen- general um, searches for um, if I'm doing any research on a project, um, the I actually do. So one of the things that I'm doing now that's a little bit different than the live streamy stuff is uh, I work with a, um, a producer uh, and I do some I, I read scripts. Um, and then I also. Um, I do some drafts, script drafts. And so I'm writing in final draft on my iPad. Um, and then I can that's I do that because I can share the share the, the script with other writers or just anybody else who's doing something. So um yeah, just uh, everything, email, Skype, um, Skyping now for my iPad. Um, I think that just everything that I, oh, you know, the other thing that I do for the things that I'm doing now. So when I get a script, sometimes I'll storyboard some things. And so there are some storyboarding apps that I do on my iPad, too. It's it's like I said, it's just become a thing that I can I can do all the things on my laptop. And then usually the only reason that I pull my laptop out, laptop out anymore is if I'm doing any video editing.
1: Yeah. You know, there's something to be said for the fact that sometimes it's just more fun to do these things on an iPad or an iPhone, that the apps are kind of a little more delightful. If That makes sense.
2: Yeah. And they're pretty robust now. I mean, even Katie, I don't know if you've had the interest to do this either, because I know you're taking a lot of photos, but the photo editing apps on an iPad and then with iCloud and with photos, photos are brilliant photos. is I was so hesitant. And then David actually watched your photos, video. And I just said, okay, I gotta, I gotta try this thing. Now I don't know how I lived without it, but the photo editing apps on the iPad, I don't remember the last time I had to use Lightroom really for anything that was, you know, that wasn't a something professional Lightroom or um, uh, Premiere, Adobe Premiere for video editing, but.
0: Yeah. There's something about touching and manipulating the photo with your fingers, I think. Right. And it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's an almost intimate, uh, thing with the iPad, as opposed to doing it with a, with a point and a click of a mouse on a computer screen that you're sitting several, inch, uh, several, you know, sometimes feet away from.
1: Uh, and right. it's, it's also just easier. I mean, it's so it's direct. You touch the spot on the screen that you want to make the adjustment to. And, um, like if someone had shown me Pixelmator for iPad, like a couple of years ago, I'd say this is some kind of game. You can't do these These tools can't exist on an iPad. And just two years later, now, not only do we have the sophistication and the software to make something like Pixelmator for iPad, we also have um, the hardware in the iPad, especially the iPad Air 2 and whatever they're going to come out with in a few months. I mean, these things are a lot more powerful than they used to be, too. So all of a sudden, uh, the things that you just wouldn't even imagine trying on an iPad is now possible. So do you do all your I mean, do you do most of your photo editing on iPad at this point?
2: I do because, like I said, most of my photos anymore are um, taken with my iPhone.
1: What what apps, what apps do you use for that? I mean, what are some of the better ones in your opinion? Yeah.
2: I use I st- I use um, Snapseed and uh, Camera Plus. Like those are pretty much the only two that I use. I don't do a lot of a lot of stuff on my. I don't do a lot of editing to my stuff. I'm probably hypercritical about a lot of my photos, but if, if it's not something that I can just touch and do something within a couple of minutes um then i've taken the photo incorrectly and i'm just not going to spend time to to manipulate it next time i just need to take a better picture
0: right now i know with a lot of this uh these devices that you have um and again a lot of your traveling one of my biggest issues when i'm traveling is making sure that i keep everything powered up and there are a lot of options for this now i mean there are a lot of power bricks and things like that but you don't necessarily have access to power everywhere you go so h- how do you solve that issue
2: um, oh, good question. There are two things. Um, and the first thing I really love, I don't get to use it very often is I use a solar panel. So I have a goal zero, um, recharging kit
0: and I have, two I think, different... I think I saw them at Macworld a few years ago. I, or, or maybe the last Macworld. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're, to me, they're brilliant. Um, I do um, as I mentioned before, some rappelling and some rock climbing, so I'm in the outdoors a lot. And it's particularly great when I'm doing that because it needs uh, direct sunlight to be able to charge it. Um, but I can attach other, um, it's got other attachments to it, including I can recharge AA batteries. That takes all day with the charger that I have when I take with me when I go backpacking. But I can also recharge my uh, 5D Mark III batteries, uh, the same batteries as a 7D Mark II. Um, so I can recharge that battery as well. Um, and again, it takes all day, but it's fine. Um, so using that is something that if I, if I'm in the outdoors and I don't really worry about whether or not like my phone lasts, it, it, when I'm in the outdoors like that, a lot of times if I have my phone, it's on airplane mode and I'm not really using it for anything except take, take pictures. Um, when I'm doing things like that, I I particularly take the advantage of just, I'm not available. So I love, I am
0: I'm, I'm probably somebody who loves turning off her phone way too, too much, too um. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to give people an idea of, of what this looks like, um, it 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 almost looks like a, a loose leaf folder. You know, if you think of like a, a folder that you would use, you know, probably back when you were in school years ago, but except instead of a folder, it's about that size, but it's a, a solar panel. Is that about the good description of it? It's about the size of a folder um, solar panel. And then you, the solar panel obviously captures the the light and then you plug into that um, another device, and they have a couple of different versions. But that then is actually what captures the energy, and then you can charge your phone from that, or charge batteries from that, or do other kinds of things.
2: Right. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, that was a great description. Like a trapper keeper. If anybody remembers those, I don't know if anybody carries those anymore. Um, there, the one of the ones that I carry is about the size of a trade paperback. If anybody, if anybody buys books anymore.
0: Um, that's, I don't know if these are your the references. All, now, all, all of these like, references we're using to things that don't <laughs> exist anymore.
2: Yeah. Um and then the, the larger one, like you said, is probably the size of like a like a school notebook with like a trifold notebook. Um and so and like you said, the panel itself is it just um is a thing that, that captures the sun and then it it actually stores to a battery. So you ha- also have to carry a battery. So uh, going back to initially talking about, you know, how big is the bag that I carry. This is actually small as you, you know as, you, as you've seen or if anybody looks. It folds pretty flat. The thing that that takes up the more more space is whatever kind of uh battery I choose to bring with me to um to hold the charge for me. Um and I'll a lot of times I'll go with one that's a little bit smaller and like I said it might be the equivalent of um being able to it's a, a battery charger that you can hold ch- uh, that can charge say your iPhone or iPad maybe iphone a couple of times or your ipad like maybe one and a half times or so it's not a, it's not a large storage device and again when i'm outside it's i'm not really worried about if i lose all um, electronics then i'm actually okay so uh but it's but it, it is it is all i say that to say it's probably not a good advertisement for the company it's uh, not that i have i don't have any ties to them so um but the uh the Charger itself works great. If you want something outdoors and you know you're going to be outside, you're going to be a beach, you're going to be somewhere and you just want something, it will do the job. It'll charge your phone, it'll charge your iPad and you're fine. Um, But you just have to decide how big of a battery you want to connect it to.
1: Yeah, I bought one of these last year um, following Macworld because we were talking in our house about, you know, what are we going to do if we have a big earthquake? You know, in Southern California, that's always kind of a thought and um so i bought the nomad solar panel and one of these not not this exact recharger i bought one of the cheaper uh goal zero chargers but the but the bigger panel and it i mean it it does what they say on the box i mean i don't use it very often but you know hopefully if we ever lost power for a significant amount of time i'd be able to get my devices working and um I guess the other question would be, do the cellular radio, you know, uh, stations work at that point if we have a good earthquake, but either way, I just thought it would be a good idea to be able to put power in things and, um, you know, it'll cost you between a hundred and $200 depending on what options you pick. Um, but I feel really nice knowing that I've got that, you know, here at the house.
2: Yeah, it's pretty handy. It's, it's, I like being it. It really is something easy to, easy to handle. And for for times when I don't have that with me or I want to just carry a charge, the thing that I I really like using is the um. I'm a big fan of Anchor products. Anchor A-N-K-E-R. They have a charger that I carry with me. It's 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 the Astro E7, and um they Anchor uses something called I forget what they call it. I don't think they call it like Power IQ or something like that. I think that's right. Right, yeah. and I think it's Power IQ. And so, for the ports for for the other device that I use, I also use a power drive, and the power drive is um has uh, ports on it as well for for USB. And so, for many devices, many as many people know, it'll indicate which port is, for example, like a two point one amp, or which one's like point five, or whatever it is. For the with the Power IQ stuff in the anchor, they figured out a way to just plug it in, and if you have say three devices plugged in, it'll figure out. Which port needs what power, and then it'll give it that power to charge. And they charge quickly. I mean, they're strong. I think the one that I have, the E7, I think is the. um, I think it's twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand six hundred. Yeah, six hundred. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It's handy.
1: You know the uh, so it's funny. Katie and I were talking about this before you came on today, and. Without realizing it, we've been recommending Anchor, Anchor products now for about a year because every time I need like a charger, I, I go online, I look, I, I don't know what the deal is. I think they maybe they just sell on Amazon, but the um, uh, but this Anchor, they really think their products are like one of the my beefs with my old charger was there was no indicator light on it that what the power status was, you know, how much of a charge there is in it. And so until it got almost empty and then the, a little LED would flash red. And so I would constantly, I just wouldn't, I'd leave the house. And I wouldn't know how much juice I had. Um, and like the anchor charger I have has a little circle and they are LEDs that light up. And if the circle's full, the charge is full. And then it's, I think it's got like eight different segments that unlight as it drains the battery out. So you always know exactly what the power is. And like, like this one you have, it charges very quickly. It's got the IQ. It's great. Uh, the one you have has looked like four LEDs to indicate the power level, yeah. but, uh, they just, they just took care of all the little things and, um, and you know, the, the prices are about right and they seem like solid products. Looks like the one you have has a flashlight in it too.
2: Yeah. I've never used that, but it does come with that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and oh. 25,000 milliamp hours is a lot of That's power. A lot. Yeah. yeah, I think
0: it'll, I think it'll charge an iPhone 10 times. Is is what I was reading on their yeah. site. So yeah, you're probably good to go for a while. I've got I've got a little bit smaller version of this that I keep in my go bag. So yeah, I like I like their I like their stuff a lot. But they've also gotten into selling um, like lightning cables. And I know I've got one of their desktop chargers and um, one of their AC adapters. They they sell a lot of products for iOS devices that I found myself buying.
1: That, that little battery that I use to recharge my MacBook, you know, my Retina MacBook with. Is an anchor. I mean, it's just that same anchor battery I bought for phones and iPads, and now I use it to charge my laptop.
2: Yeah, I was just so, gonna say the E7 works on the MacBook. I tried the MacBook for a minute, and then I just it ended up being something extra, so I ended up not keeping it. But it yeah. charged. Yeah, this, the E7 does that too.
1: Yeah, how, how heavy, heavy is how heavy is the E7 though? Because with that much battery, I assume it's a little heavier. It's a
2: heavier battery. I'm trying to liken it to something. It's um,
1: make sure it's something uh, that doesn't exist anymore. That's our theme here today. Yeah. Like like a wagon wheel or something.
2: Right, right. (laughs) Um, I know, is that funny? Books. Trade paperbacks and trapper keepers. That was great. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like um, this. Let's see. What's something that everybody would have that they would know? I don't know. Oh, maybe. Okay. You know what? Uh, Maybe about the weight of like an 18 ounce. I don't know if this is good. 18 ounce plastic water bottle. If you're carrying water bottles. Yeah, about the size of a water, a little bit heavier than that. Well, like not too heavy, but
1: it, it's nice. If you if you need a lot of power, I would I would get this one one twenty five thousand milliamps. I think mine is like fourteen thousand. Um, either way, listen, I I we still have more in this bag we want to talk about. Yeah, but, as
0: if you <laughs> haven't spent all your money yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and we are going to get to how you make all this stuff travel with you as well. But uh, before we do so, let me just take a minute to talk about our second sponsor today and. Yeah, you know, I, I have to admit, it's really a privilege to have Screencast Online as a sponsor of the Mac Power Users. Uh, Don McAllister, who's behind Screencast Online, he's been a guest on our show in the past. And so let's just be honest, he we love this guy. And, um, you know, we've talked about him for years, even before he was a sponsor of the show. And Don was one of the first people that really understood the importance of video and learning technology. And on the Mac, he was he was the guy he started it out he's got that great liverpool accent and 10 years ago he started making the screencast online videos and he'll take a software application and he'll spend 30 minutes in there showing you how to make it work and he does one of these a week he does one for the mac and then he does a 15 minute video every week for one of the ios apps and uh, he's got this great list of subscribers these people who subscribe and watch these videos he does every week and it's just such a great way to learn there's guidance tips and tricks for os 10 ios he's got videos on the apple watch because of course he would and as well as software's own software like pages numbers keynote the new photos app and iMovie he's got all that stuff and with 10 years of video archival you know storage uh, or video here you can go back and look at some of the older videos for things that you know you, you didn't catch up with the first time around Um, it's uh, some of the best third-party software like OmniFocus, 1Password, Pixelmator. Many of the people we talk about on this show right here and it's just a really com- a great companion to the Mac power users, because if you're listening to our show, I bet you're going to find some content on screencasts online that you like. Uh, like I said, he does two shows every week, one for the Mac and one for iOS. They're just top quality. Don really does a great job of production. He shows people the way when I learned how to screencast, Don was the guy I would write to ask questions and he was so generous with his time and, and would give me advice on how to make a great screencast. He just, he shows the way, um, uh current members of Screencast Online love the format of the videos, and they tend to, like I said, you get it in about 30 minutes, you're going to be good. And you don't have to watch every video every week. You know, many members use it as a, a reference guide, and they just go watch the ones that they need. So all the tutorials are hosted by Don. Um, he's got a wonderful, patient way that he explains things. Uh, as, as an example, in the Sparks House, even though I write books about this stuff, my wife has a hard time, with me explaining stuff to her, but if I let her watch a Dawn video, she always she's always happy to do that. <laughs> I think the accent helps him out a little bit there too, but uh, it's just a really great way of breaking down complex products and explaining them clearly. So you can sign up for a 14-day, no obligation free trial, which includes access to all the tutorials at screencastonline.com. And there's two types of membership uh, once your trial period is over. So you can get a three-month membership for twenty seven dollars And uh, if you just want to, you know, like a refresher course, maybe that's what you want to do. Or if you want to, you know, bite in for the whole hog, go for 12 months. It's $97. But we have a deal for you. If you use the code MPU2015, so MPU2015, no space, you'll get 25% off your first membership period. So this can get you the 12 month uh, for a single payment of $72. Uh, Don's a great guy. He makes a great product. Go check it out at ScreencastOnline.com. Use the code MPU two zero one five during the sign up process, and then you'll get that twenty five percent off. So thanks, Don and ScreenCast Online for supporting the Mac Power Users and everybody. I'd encourage you to go check this out.
0: So, Leanna, I don't think we've quite filled your bag yet. So, what <laughs> else? <laughs> I, I, can
1: we talk about cables for a minute? Because I'm confused. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've bought the Apple cables where you pay thirty dollars for one cable, and I know there's third party manufacturers that make cables. But I'm always very leery about buying them because sometimes they're so cheap, and you know the old story about you get what you pay for. And um,
0: and oh, David, don't buy Apple cables.
1: Well, I, well, that I think that's a mistake <laughs> I've made, frankly, because I I get I go into do, Amazon. do you go to
0: Best Buy and buy an HDMI no, cable? No, Please no, tell no. me you don't. Of course not. You, you've learned not to do that. Yeah, okay.
1: but the um, but you know we've talked on on the show about some of the vendors that we've come to trust for third party cables. But like if you go on Amazon, there are so many people selling cables and you have no idea if it's going to work or it's going to melt your phone as soon as you plug it in. Uh, I have come to start to rely on some of the Amazon Basics cables. Those are definitely more cost effective and they seem like good products. Uh, Liana, you had mentioned that you're using some of the Anker um, cables and A- Anker, as we just got done talking about, is another company I'm, I'm, I'm starting to trust. Uh, wh- what are you using?
2: Um, I'm using their shorter. They have a three foot lightning cables and then some micro USB cables, and so those are the ones that I'm using from them. And they're the braided cable, um, and I really like them. Uh, the other cable, I think Katie was mentioning, she uses this as well. When I'm at home, I use the six foot long. This is six or ten. It's really long. Amazon it's a long cable. One. It's yeah. really long and it's really sturdy. Like it's thick. And so I use both Amazon Basics and the Anchor ones. I use the Anchor ones in the car. And I travel with those. I don't really have a rhyme or reason as to why I travel with one or the other. I think just in my head, the Amazon basics ones are just thicker. And I say, OK, I'll just leave those at home and I use those at home. Um, but they all have been super reliable. The other thing that I have in the car that I use with the cables, the anchor cables, is I bought their uh, two, two port USB car charger. That thing charges fast. Like it's and it's 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 it, you can charge your iPad and your you can charge two iPads at one time. Like, it's really powerful. So you can, it's a a really good charger. So I think I just kind of said, oh, well, I'm already, I've already got these other Anchor products. So let me just try their cables as well. Just as an option in case something ever happened to to the Amazon cables, I knew I could have something else that I could trust. And like you said, I'm just learning to trust Anchor.
0: And yeah, so I think you definitely want to get something, David, that's that's MiFi or, or that's uh, Apple certified, which is going to add a little bit of cost. But like these Amazon cables are, you know, eight bucks or less and they come in four inch, which is nice. It's nice to have a four inch cable, a really short cable sometimes. Like I keep one in my purse at all times because, you know, who doesn't need a lightning cable in their purse? I can tell you that's come in <laughs> handy.
1: Well, I, you know, just for those keeping score at home, this is the thing I, before the show even started, and I saw on her list, this um, Anchor um, uh, 12-volt adapter with tool ports in it. And if Leanna trusted, it, I trust it. And the, my problem is my kids. You know, I don't know what it is about them, but every time we go somewhere, <laughs> they get in the car and their phones are at 5%. It's of like course. they actually like run it down right before we leave. And then they're like, well, my phone doesn't work. And so now I, I want to have one that I can charge each kid's phone at the same time in the car quickly (laughs) so so i'm in i bought two anchor cables and and this um car charger so i'm glad it it got the liana lehua um ring of endorsement (laughs) oh my yeah (laughs) and and also i like the woven cables you know like the woven um i just think it's cool that there's i don't know if there's any reason for it but i like it
0: Yeah, I haven't had any issues with my Amazon cables. And, you know, honestly, I haven't had any issues with any of my Lightning cables. Maybe I'm just particularly careful with them. But I know several people have had issues with their Apple Lightning cables um, kind of fraying at the ends.
2: Yeah, that's that's why I started looking at other cables. And then somebody else recommended to me the Amazon Basics cables. And so, like, I just really like how sturdy they are. And the Anchor ones, like you said, David, are just pretty. Well, and they work. They work. Never really, if anybody cares, there's a really pretty white and gold braided one. <laughs> it just looks nice. It's all about that.
1: <laughs> well, that's important. Okay. And then, and then, uh, you've got the, uh,
0: so yeah. What about the audio? Yeah. Cause I see you've, you've got some, some wired headphones, some wireless, and then also a Bluetooth speaker.
2: Yeah. So music, just having music for me, um, when I'm on the road is really important. So I, I go through the trouble of carrying a, a Bluetooth speaker. And I use a UE Boom, which is um kind of tall. And about, if I'm going to liken it again, it's going to be to like a one of the tall, skinny water bottles. It's about that size and about that weight. Um, and it just has really good sound. It's, it, has, it claims it has this like 360 sound, and it actually does sound really good. Um, and the thing that I'll say about it is if you're somebody who really likes speakers, if I, I compared it to a couple of other speakers, including the Jambox and the Bose, and the Bose specifically has better bass response. This UE-Boom is just louder. It can get louder. So if you're outside like near a pool or if you're just outside camping or something, the UE-Boom to me, just it gets louder. And so if you just want that, then it's not necessarily like the most full sound that you're going to get. So I carry that. Um, and then um, I carry two earphones, uh, earbuds. One's a pair of Shure 535s and they're wired. And I use those for when I'm on jobs and I just want a really good quality pair of earbuds to be able to monitor the sound. Um, I carry those. And then there's two cables that, that come with that and I only carry one. But the one that I carry has a mic on it so I can use it with the iPhone if I needed to. So, you know, that, that, that gets me one less cable, all the stuff I'm carrying. And I thought that would make a difference, but. <laughs> and then um i carry the jaybird blue bud blue butts x headphones i love those for working out and just anything where i want to have one want to be wireless um one of the apps that i really like to use no matter where i go i love zombies run i don't know if everybody anybody's tried that but it's just a running app and there's a story to it and you, know, you get chased by zombies you're picking up medical supplies and you're doing all these other things so it's really fun but when i'm doing that i like to use the blue butts x because i don't like to have wires and they just stay in your ear like i can't stress how much like they they're and these again are not going to be ones that somebody says oh you know you go from these shores that are really high quality and they're made you know you can monitor on them to the blue Buds x and if you listen to them and you're somebody who can discern the difference between the qualities you might notice and you're going to say i don't like the way these sound but to me i don't care it's just i'm listening to music while i run
1: yeah i bought a, uh, a- go ahead go ahead Penny. Penny.
0: I was gonna say I'm actually in the market for a new Bluetooth speaker.'ve I keep a Bluetooth speaker in my in my bathroom because I like to listen to podcasts as I'm getting ready in the morning and you know sometimes when I'm in the shower and all and I don't want to take my my iPhone in there. so I, I had a jam box and it was fine, but it just wasn't quite loud enough to hear over the water. So one of the things I started doing, and I know this is not smart, but as I started putting it on the on the top of the the top of the um, shower enclosure, so it's kind of like perked on top of the shower enclosure so that I could hear it as opposed to on the counter um and and then it fell in so <laughs> that's not good <laughs> no it's it, everybody's fine except it's it's a little dented and it doesn't quite work as well as it used to
2: some of the there's one um that that you your ultimate ears that makes the boom that I use they just came out with one that I'm interested to see I haven't actually seen it in or heard it yet but it's called um it's called a ue roll 360 and it's a tiny it's like a disc and it's supposed to be like waterproof and the way that they advertise it is you know people out camping or doing whatever so you're kind of run around with it and it has a carabiner or a strap or something you can clip it onto like a backpack so if you didn't need something that had super super robust sound but just something that you could take into the shower or whatever um it looks like this one can do that it's just a little pricey all the speakers are a little bit pricey
0: when you talk about the the bluetooth speakers
1: Right. Yeah, we yeah. we had I'm lucky um, I
0: didn't electrocute myself. Don't don't do what I did, folks. That was really bad.
1: We uh, so since we're gonna go to the, the topic of showering, uh, oh, several episodes ago I talked about I bought some paper that's that's waterproof, and um, and occasionally in the shower I will write something down when I think about it because my the way my brain works is I, it will be gone in like th- you know thirty seconds, so I better write it down. And um, my wife thinks I'm completely insane, but that's just more, actually it's just more evidence for her more than the actual proof. And uh, and when I, I mentioned this on the show, and a listener I, I, I'm,
0: I'm picturing her. Does she like leave you notes in the shower on <laughs> No, your she
1: she wants nothing to do with the paper in the shower. Um, <laughs> okay. The the uh, but uh, but a listener sent in uh, these uh, several links. Actually, several listeners sent in they they make wireless um water resistant speakers for mounting in the shower now and if you go on amazon or or just do a google search you'll see i don't want to recommend any particular one cuz i don't know which ones are good but the um but they make you know this problem has been addressed <laughs> where they make speakers that are bluetooth that actually go in the shower and some of them even have the ability to activate siri so you could say hey siri <laughs> um add, add,
0: add, don't say it
1: add, Oh, darn it. I said it. I'm sorry, everybody. Everybody who's now restarting their phone. I I apologize. So you say those magic words or you press the button to activate Siri and then you say add spicy carrots to my grocery list. And it's just done on your phone even before you don't even have to write it down on a piece of paper. So uh, there's stuff out there. I actually I'm curious if anybody out there is using these things, let us know or send in a note for the live show, um, because I think that would be kind of fun to hear about. Now um, I'm going to get off the sh- topic of showers, unless there's anything you guys would like to add.
0: <laughs> no, I think we're good. We're, but, we've got
1: the shower covered. But but on Bluetooth speakers, this isn't so much travel related. But um, when w- one of the things I, I I bought myself when I quit my job is I bought a, a a nice laser printer for the house, and I bought a pair of Bluetooth headphones because you know my new my new employer has a very liberal policy about listening to music while while working, <laughs> and and I bought um. I didn't get the ones Liana has. Instead, I bought and I just had them on my screen. But I got excited about showers and moved the screen. But uh, it's a uh, they they go around your neck. And um, just give me one second and I'll get them up here. Katie, talk about yeah. I think I think
0: we talked about them in our um, our uh, Christmas guide show.
1: Okay, well I won't go to at length, but they're um, I'll get the name and put it in the show notes. But they they go around your neck and they um, then the. The, the actual headphone is connected to a small wire that you can set within your ear. I don't know how appropriate they are for working out, but for just, you know, goofing off in the house and being able to listen to music or podcasts, um, they're very useful. And they're not as, um, as as high fidelity, obviously, as a wired headphone, but they they do the job.
2: Yeah, same with the Pluba techs. The, the wired ones are definitely stronger.
1: Okay, well, listen, I want to talk a little bit about... um packing because you've been all over the world and um and this is um something that is near and dear to my heart because i i'm always obsessive about getting you know those things as tightly as possible bring as as little as i can um how does someone who's traveled as much as you uh figure out how you're going to pack
2: you know it's actually i've gotten to a place now where um it's uh i i I buy clothes now they're all kind of in a complementary color scheme and so when i pack I'm not packing that much. I might pack two like short sleeve shirts, a long sleeve shirt, a dress, a pair of jeans, and then a pair of like black slacks. Like I won't I don't pack a lot of stuff. And thankfully I've been able to get away with it everywhere. I mean, uh, there are enough uh th- the thing that I stock up on more, um, are probably like accessories, because then if I'm gonna dress something up, then I can do that easily. Um that said, the things that I look for the most uh when I'm packing is something that's wrinkle-free and then it's there are a couple of brands that i really like i can get to a second but the fat also the fabric so i really go for dry fit cool max um those are really i think those are just trademark names really but they're the type of material nike is a a company that makes dry fit material most of the athletic companies do anyways these are like Um,
1: moisture wicking moisture
2: wicking materials right um and so my trick is at the end of any day or any activity. So like if I get up in the morning, I'm 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 on the road working and I get up in the morning and I go work out. When I get into the shower after I work out, I actually just wear my clothes into the shower and I soap up onto the clothes and then I rinse them out and then I hang them so they're dry for the next day. And then I continue with my shower.
0: Um, and I do that at the end oh, of the oh, day. Oh, okay. Wait, now you just took us back to the shower again. <laughs> I did. I do, you did. So, okay. So do you like, uh, I, I'm curious about this. Sorry, do you um just with regular soap, or do you like take one of those special like um um you know uh, detergent? Or I guess it doesn't matter. Just curious.
2: No, I don't. A lot of times I'll just use um you know in, in hotel rooms. All the times you can just get you can get as much complimentary stuff as you need to get to to use. Right. And um, and i have to say I don't go crazy with it because it's not you know my 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 hair is super short. Like I don't. Um, require a lot of stuff. I don't carry any detergent and I usually just use the soap that they have. It's either bar soap so I have to lather it or I'll just use, um, a lot of the hotels that I've been going to have body wash but I also oh, carry okay. Um, okay. I also carry at a lot of the kind of natural food stores i will carry something called Dr. Broner's soap and some of it's scented and some of it's not. I carry a small bottle the one that I can actually carry through TSA um, I carry a small bottle of um, Dr. Broner's and so it's, it's kind of an all-purpose, like, soap. You can... They say you can ingest it, I think, if I remember correctly. Not that I'm trying I'd to ingest it. Probably but rather not, yeah. It's kind of a natural soap. And so um, I use that. And if
0: I run out of that, then I use the hotel stuff. Um, yeah, because I've always just taken, like... um you know, you can get Woolite or, or Tide packets or those are name brands of um laundry detergent. But uh, for travel, and I've always just, you know, done laundry in the sink. But I never thought about doing it in the shower before. So, sorry. Yeah, curious. yeah, that's
2: right. I mean, it just feel, feel like, well, I'm already in it and I got, have, have to clean it. And it's worked out. I mean, they come out, you know, they don't smell. And I mean, I think I've gotten any kind of like goodies out of them. So.
1: whatever. Yeah, I, I did the same thing, except I I've always done it in the sink as well. I, I try to take. I like, I think you're the one who turned me on to moisture wicking clothes, but, um, you know, when I'm going places like that, cause they dry very quickly. And, right. um, and even if you're not going to a cold place, um, it's really great travel clothes because you can, you can wash it that night and it, it could be ready the next day if you need it to be. Um, and you don't need to, you know, tumble dry. or anything. you can literally hang it on a string in the, in the hotel room and you're good to go. And that totally changed my game because now I don't need to bring, you know, even as much underwear because you can wash your underwear and it's, um, it's really a smart move. Now when you, when you pack it though, do you, you know, if you look online, you'll see a lot of people talking about packing by rolling or in, they've got these different techniques. What have you come, what do you recommend?
2: Yeah, I use, I, I do that. I roll and I use packing cubes. It really depends on how much stuff I'm bringing, what I'm bringing. I just actually got back from a trip. I went to, um, nashville over the fourth of july holiday and i brought just a backpack um and i was there for five six days um and i was able to fit all the stuff all of the tech that we just talked about i didn't bring my um even though it was a leisure trip i didn't bring my any of my canon equipment but i just bought my phone and so i fit everything i didn't bring my laptop with me i just brought my ipad and i was able to put it into a backpack with all the clothes that i was going to use for the weekend. Um, and get through TSA. It was it was awesome. The bag that I use is so I use the Eagle Creek packet cubes and I roll. Um, And for me, that works out really well. And then if I'm carrying like I carried some shoes for working, out, I I wore those. Sorry, I wore my tennis shoes because they were many people probably heard this. You just you wear the kind of your bulkiest clothing items onto the plane. And that's what I did. Um, And then I just packed some sandals into my bag. Um, but everything fit because the colors were complimentary one. And then because I knew that I could dry stuff or wash and dry it, I only brought enough clothes. I really only brought enough clothes for two days. And then I just washed everything back and forth. And then I kind of knew that I would probably buy some t-shirts while I was there, which I did. And I had enough room to kind of put them in there when I came back. But even um, going back to when we talked about kind of traveling for work, um, being able to wear just like a, a simple black dress and then, you know, accessorize it if I was going to go out to dinner or something, you know, more fancy in the evening. Um, I'm able to do that. The, um, if you, you can look up the fabrics online for sure um, on the West Coast, and I think they're in Florida as well. Um, but a place to start, even if you don't live near one, uh, I'm a big fan of REI. Love REI. And my, in my, in my world, if it doesn't exist at REI, I probably don't need it. And so what REI is, is an outdoor store. For some people, it'd be similar probably to like Bass Pro. Um, The brands I usually sell in there, like the dresses that I have, you can definitely wear them. I I got my, you know, every woman should have a simple black dress. The one that I bought, I bought from REI and it's exactly that. I can roll it up and throw it in my bag. It won't wrinkle and it dries, it washes and dries very quickly. But it's something that you would never know that it was, I think it's Patagonia, which is an outdoor brand. Nobody would know it was Patagonia unless I told them this is Patagonia dress. Um, And so I think that's that's one of the key things. And um, I don't for me, I don't carry, I don't wear makeup. Um, I think I wear a uh, chapstick and lips uh, lip gloss. So I don't really have to worry about kind of packing some of those things. So I might be cheating a little bit if we're talking about, you know, kind of taking everything that we think that we would need. Um, so that, that opens up a little bit of space, not having to carry necessarily makeup.
1: Yeah. The, um, the shoes always screw me up if it's like a legal related thing, because you got to have dress shoes. And um, so like, you know i think this another thing you told me is i i wear the dress shoes on the plane even though i hate it you know i'll wear them with jeans or whatever right um, just because if i have to pack them in and then being the california guy and whenever i go to east coast things they always say well why are you in vans you know in my, in my <laughs> because you know what they pack really well
2: <laughs> right
1: that's a tennis shoe you can actually put in a bag and, and bring with you um the uh now, the the packet cubes, you and Alex Lindsay have both talked about the, the joy of the C- Eagle Creek packet cubes. We've looked at them. Um, I've never bought any because every time I look at them, I'm like, well, what exactly would I do with that? Because I do roll up my clothes and then, you know, I'm not sure what I would do with the packet cubes. How do you use those?
2: So Alex is the one who turned me on to the Eagle Creek packet cubes. So he's yeah. he, he And we we've bought like different color. We had to buy. We had to kind of consult each other. like Which ones did you buy? Because. Inevitably, um, they get used, and we buy them and also use them for uh, wrangling like cables. So on jobs, a lot of times we have Eagle Creek bags that have, you know, one for audio cables, one color for HDMI cables. So we just had to kind of coordinate that. But I roll my clothes, and a lot of times I can get the. For example, when I went to um, Nashville, or oh, sorry, let me let me go back. Let me go like on a work uh, a work work job for. I separate my tops and bottoms into different bags and then I, I roll them and put them in different bags. And that for me, that's just so I know which which one is which. And then I can, as I'm wearing clothes, when I get to my hotel, I take my clothes out and then each bag becomes kind of a, um, I can use it for something else while I'm there. So if I do have to carry cables or something else that I've, ha- I've got in my bag, I can use that bag and then just I um, pack my clothes back into it when I leave. So I like them because they're multi-purpose. Um, There's one, there's one that's called a, it's called a tube, it's called a tube and it's a long rectangular one. And for example, for that one, my t-shirts are small enough that when I roll them, I just kind of line them up in there and then other items, kind of like my undergarments can fit in there as well. Um, And then I just pack them in my bag and it makes it really easy for when you're going into your suitcase, um, you can just look and say, oh, I I really want to grab a t-shirt and kind of pull it out. And so I have one color for my T-shirts, one color for my one color bag for my. Uh, um, sorry, my under my undergarments um, and T-shirts and then another gar- a bag for like my pants, my dresses. Uh, and that's kind of how I separate them. And then any kind of like jacket or coat that I want to bring. Um, and it just helps so that um, if I'm taking something out of my bag. A lot of times, so what? a lot of times what I'll, I'll do is I, the backpack that I use, I'm carrying a lot of this equipment and sometimes I'm carrying my clothes because if it's a short trip, then I'm only taking the backpack. And so it helps me organize my stuff. So if I'm going through security and I have to take out my laptop, for example, um, it, everything, nothing, things aren't falling out that, you know, nobody wants to see my undergarments and that kind of thing on the, the conveyor belt. So um, that's how I use them. Um, and as far as I know, for his personal stuff out, you know, Alex, I uh, use them for the same thing. Um, but they're, they're really handy. It just, it just help, it helps keep things organized so that you're not um, kind of shoving. The... the one disadvantage to using the cubes is if you're not using the cubes and you have space in your bag, um, you can kind of fill in kind of the empty spaces in your bag and kind of probably fit more things in it. But the one thing that, uh, that I do really like about using the cubes is it also gives my bag some structure. Depending upon what uh, size bags that I'm using and what kind of clothes I'm, I'm traveling with, it um it gives my backpack structure, and I can pack my electronics or everything around it because I know how the cubes fit in my backpack. I guess that's what I'm saying. The cubes fit a particular way in my backpack, so I know that if I stick to a particular plan, I've gotten to a place now where and and it, it, the other thing it helps me do helps me know if I've forgotten anything because I can kind of look at the cubes now and go, oh, I don't see my blue cube. Where is it? And then you know I remember that I haven't packed, for example, like my batteries or that kind of thing.
1: Smart. Yeah, because for me, it's like one big roll, all the clothes and, you know, pants, shirts, underwear, everything goes in one roll. And. It's pretty big because it's one roll. And so I'd never really thought about breaking them up. I'm going to next time I have a decent sized trip. I'm going to I'm going to take a look at that. Um, I want to talk about um, you have been mentioning your backpack. Let's just take a minute because I'm sure you've thought about it. And I'd like to, to tell the listeners what backpack you use. And then uh, we'll take a break and talk a little bit more about travel day. Um, so uh, why don't we do that? What What backpack are you using?
2: I'm using a snowboard bag. The backpack I use is, it's a women's backpack. It's a 26 liter and it's called the Dekine Pro 2 26 liter snow pack. Um, and the reason I like that pack, there's a lot of reasons I like it. It has a lot of straps and stuff on it that you might use if you're skiing or snowboarding to attach your equipment to your bag. Um, and I use those for, if I'm bringing a tripod at all, then I can attach the tripod to it. But it also it gives me lashing points if I'm going to put, uh, sometimes when I travel with like my sunglasses, I'll just lash my sunglass case to the outside of the, the bag. But I like it because it it's comfortable. It's meant to be worn all day if you're snowboarding that kind of thing. And there's a hydration pouch in uh, location. The hydration pouch in it if you wanted to use a hydration pouch so if you're it's multi purpose. When I get to my cushion, if I'm going backpacking, I can take all my clothes out and I can use that to backpack. Um, and it doesn't look like a photo bag or equipment bag, so that's another reason that I really like it. There is a laptop pouch in it. It's not really, I don't know. I think they just kind of put it in there as an afterthought or said, oh, we should probably put a pouch in here. Um, so my laptop, when I do carry it, it just sits against my back. And it opens from the back. So that's one of, the, one of the reasons I really like it. So in order to get to it, you have to take it off and actually unzip it from the back. And I pre- prefer that to one that, you know, you open from the outside. Um, that said, there are pockets on the outside of it that you can access and put things into it that, that are zipper on the outside. I just put my things that are less important on the outside. Um, and uh, there's a a ski. Uh, you can carry skis. It's meant to be able to carry skis, for example, too. And so there's kind of a lashing point, lashing points on the uh, bottom and on the top that are meant to kind of work together. So if I am carrying something taller, like I said, a, a tripod, the way that I can carry it is using those lashing points. And so um, it just extends the my ability to carry some things outside of my bag because it has those like lashing points on it. I really like it. I really like it. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like a a photo bag or any kind of a particular bag. It just looks like kind of a regular, you know, travel bag.
1: And I see they sell it at our EI. <laughs> They do. <laughs> well, let's talk about our sponsor and then let's talk about, I don't know what to do when I get to the airport these days. There's so many new apps and services and um, I, I just don't know which ones I'm supposed to use. So I need you to help me out. So we'll do that right after we talk about our next sponsor.
0: Yeah, our next sponsor is our good friends over at Smile, and I want to talk a little bit about Text Expander. And we've talked quite a bit about Text Expander for the Mac, and it is an amazing application. It is probably the first app that I have to load on my Mac because I simply cannot live without it. I know instantaneously if it's not running or if it's um, somehow not loaded on my Mac because it, it has become that much an essential part of my workflow. But today I want to talk a little about Text Expander for iOS because. As soon as I heard that Text Expander was coming to iOS, I was just over the moon because, as much as I use Text Expander on the Mac, the place that you really, really need Text Expander is on iOS because, let's face it, typing on iOS is still a little bit of a pain and it's not as native as typing on a full fledged keyboard on the Mac. So, Text Expander for iOS is out and it has the ability to sync via Dropbox, now via iCloud with all of these text expander or even through other cloud services but with all these text expander snippets that you've already created on your Mac so maybe you spent hours creating these text expander snippets on your Mac you can now take advantage of all of those snippets over on iOS so those snippets are going to sync back and forth you install the text expander um, uh, application on iOS uh, and all those snippets are going to be there and here's the absolute best thing of all about text expander for iOS is it's going to install the text expander custom keyboard. So you can turn on the custom keyboard. And this means that every single application on iOS, whether the developer has built in text expander support or not, now has access to all of your text expander snippets. So one of the applications that I use it most frequently in is Apple Mail, because I've got a ton of custom snippets built just for Apple Mail. So or just for for mail. So if I'm using Apple Mail on my iPhone, I can just type, uh, switch over to the text expander custom keyboard and start using my abbreviations for text expander. They expand just like they normally would. And I can fire off and respond to email so much faster on my iOS device than I ever have been able to before. Thanks to that built in custom keyboard for iOS. Now, many developers, including developers of some of our favorite apps like Byword or Drafts or even some of the Omni apps that we'll talk about later, um, have included Text Expander support natively in their apps. Uh, Text Expander includes an app development kit so that um, these app developers can build in Text Expander uh, directly, which means that if you're using any keyboard within these apps, uh, your Text Expander snippets are going to launch automatically and you get some enhanced benefits. Uh, but either way, you now have access to Text Expander all on iOS. All of your snippets are going to sync, and it is just magical. And can you imagine? How much this cost? It's really inexpensive. It's $4.99 over on the App Store. So uh, head over uh, to smilesoftware.com. You can view a demo over on their site, uh, and then they'll send you a link right over to the App Store where you can go uh, buy Text Expander Touch for iOS and get all of this amazing functionality on your iPhone, on your iPad. So thanks to Text Expander for their great support of Mac Power users.
1: All right, Liana, So you've got all this gear and you're going to go somewhere. Um, you know, where do you start using the technology in terms of trip planning and um on travel day?
2: Um for for trip planning, um a lot of a lot of I, I regularly use hip, hip Monk, and hipmonk.com, hipmonk.com, hipmunk. And it's just hipmunk dot com hipmunk.com H I P M U N K. And um I can find Airfare Plus Hotel if I needed to there. I'll often I'll start there to kind of see what what what's there. And then I'll go to, depending upon what the, the, the results back are, I might go to, for example, the Hawaii trip. I went to go see what the rates were on Hitbunk, and the um, airfares were non-refundable, but through like American Airlines. And so I went to American Airlines, and I'm an American Airlines member, so I looked up the same flights and got the same rate, but they were refundable. I just kind of I like to compare to see what's, what the difference is. Um, and for a lot of the airlines now, because so, there are a lot of sites, Expedia, um, you know travelocity. There's a lot of different sites that you can. Uh, they'll give you deals now, but if you go to the actual sites for the hotel for the airline now, if you're a member, there are things that you can get. Oftentimes, um, I was able to reserve or not reserve. Excuse me. I was able to hold, um, one of the uh, flight the the fares on American Airlines until I figured out if that's the time and the date that I wanted to go. It was only 24 hour hold, but it was nice to be able to do that. Um, and then same with the hotels. If you become a member of a hotel, a lot of times people are charging for Wi-Fi now. You know, if you both travel, I'm sure you anybody who travels have seen that. And they charge a lot, uh, you know, 15 16 17 sometimes $20, $22 for Wi-Fi. It's ridiculous.
1: Usually pretty lousy Wi-Fi on right. top of that. yeah, Not
2: that great. And it's, a lot of times if you're a member of a hotel, uh, I found that you can get, um, as long as you're a member and you show your card, oh, great, you're going an to upgrade and you get free Wi-Fi. Again, it's the same junky Wi-Fi, but it's free. <laughs> um, and so I kind of go between those in terms of kind of prepping my travel um, and then I'm always looking to see what transportation is available if I can if I love it when I go to a place where I actually don't have to rent a car uh, if I'm doing that I'm using the same sites I'm using Hitmonk or Expedia to see what where the best deals are and then going to the ones that I'm mem- a member of like uh, Enterprise or Hertz to see what kind of deals I can get um, and then for anybody who's traveling a lot or considering traveling a lot, for sure, do I would recommend getting. I wouldn't recommend anybody going into debt, but having a travel credit card is really good that you get points on. Like I have an American Airlines uh, credit card, and I charge everything and then just pay it pay it down, um, because you get points towards flights and airfare and hotels. A lot of times, what you get to, in, for example, American Airlines, because I'm a card member, I can board the plane first i get free carry uh excuse me i get free checked baggage there's a lot of things that you get for being a member so um i definitely recommend doing that if you know if you don't mind having a, a another credit card or that kind of thing um
1: well you know i found um and i we don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but i we did that a few years ago because we we have one credit card basically for the family and we always want to decide well let's get one that'll help us go on our next vacation but when we went to cash the points in, it was really hard. I'm not going to say which airline it was, but basically they put so many conditions that it was almost useless. So I guess I would just recommend be careful which one you get, make sure that they'll actually take care of you.
2: Oh, that's a good idea. I didn't realize. Yeah, Um, I've been lucky so far. So um, if I don't, the great thing, like I said, I I love going to places where I don't have to, um, I don't have to, um, to rent a car. And in those instances, I'm hoping that there is Uber or Lyft or sidecar or something like that. Um, if I am driving, then I'm a big believer in Waze. And I think Waze, for anybody who uh, may not know, Waze is a, um, or anybody who does know, Waze is a navigation app. Um, I believe Google bought Waze. And so yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's yeah, so a Google bought Waze, but Waze still is its own standalone product. But the information is crowdsourced. In LA, it's brilliant because so many people use it. It saves me time every day. I'm on the road almost every day and it saves me time going to all the places that I go to. Um, I just trust it.
1: So to explain it, it's like, you know, the usual traffic apps, even just like Apple Maps, the traffic data is pulled from some source that that may or may not know when there's an accident with Waze. There's so many users that they they report an accident as soon as they see it. I've done it with Waze myself, you know, where I've reported things in and and not only do people report when there is an accident, they also report when traffic clears Right. So it, it's, it's a really great application for, um you know, using the community to to get better information about where the traffic hangups are.
2: Yeah. And I think it's just to be someplace where, like I said, L.A., it's brilliant. So many people use it. Orange County. It's brilliant. I, I went to Santa Cruz recently and in Santa Cruz, like it was, you know, people weren't using it. So you really couldn't tell what the traffic was like. Smaller town. Um, but I highly recommend Waze. Um or my, my go-to after Waze if I'm in a place that, you know, Waze doesn't really do that. The other thing I like about Waze is it'll actually tell you where things, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it'll tell you like where the closest like Starbucks. I think Starbucks pays for ad space, which is fine with me because I go to Starbucks, so it doesn't really bother me. But uh, you can say, you know, search for Starbucks, and it'll tell you where the New York Starbucks was, and then it'll help route you and it'll ask you if you want to add that to your route or if you're taking a new route that like you're you know, starting over. And a lot of times it's just me adding a stop. And so I just add it to my stop and then it takes me onto my destination um, as I originally requested. Um, Uber and then Uber is huge. Um,
1: And um, that's again, that's another one that you just got to make sure that they support it where you're going.
2: Right. It's um, not supported everywhere. And in some places, actually, I've seen New York. uh, This is probably a year or so ago. I don't know if it's still the same, Uh, but it was that was really interesting. Everybody was super aggressive and uh, I was getting an Uber and yeah you just have to make sure that it's something that you can get in the city where you're going. Um, the beauty of it is not having to exchange any cash or credit cards on the spot so you get into the if if it is supported, you get in the vehicle, you go where you're going and then you get out and then all the transactions is uh uh completed by the app where you have your credit card information and you can tip and you can all do those great things
1: i I don't use it over too much because in Southern California. We have a car, and when I need to go somewhere, I drive there, uh, even though we do have Uber here. But the um, I had an eye-opener when I was in San Francisco for WWDC. My shuttle company that was supposed to shuttle me back to the um hotel called and said, well, we can't make it. We don't have a driver available. The, you know, they, they called me, like, that morning. So I was going to just take um BART down to the airport. I'm like, well, maybe I'll try Uber. And it ended up costing less and being faster and more convenient. So... I can see why people get into this stuff, but, but I like to wind back a little bit. We, we talked about um, you using Hipmunk to kind of book a trip. And now we're talking about getting a car when you get there. But the day that's a mystery to me is I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing now at the airport. Cause there's so many apps and available, you know, things available um, on my most recent trip. I, you know, I used the airline app to put the boarding pass on my watch, which was totally cool. Uh, even though the um the airline wasn't even sure what to do with me when I showed up and wanted to use my wrist <laughs> to get on a plane, <laughs> but um but I know there's like a lot of trip planning and like even just you know we we've talked in the past about some of these apps, but I don't know where they stand now. I mean, what do you like TripIt? Where does TripIt fit now when you get your tickets delivered to your phone anyway? I mean, what are you using for that part of the trip?
2: Oh yeah, thanks. There's um so. I do use TripIt and I rely on it a lot. I feel like they, they, they stay really on top of a lot of times. As soon as t- when I get to the airport, before I get to the airport, I'm set to alert. It's, I have it set to alert me two hours ahead of time if there are any traffic, uh, excuse me, any um, flight delays or anything that I need to know about my flight or just confirming. I get alert two hours before, no matter what, whatever the alert is, if it's good or bad or just indifferent. And um, then when I get to, oh, sorry, let me back up. I've made the flight information either on Hipmunk or just somewhere online. Um, and then in my inbox, um, now I use if this and that. Um, along for Before that, I used Hazel with rules. And it was, you know, depending upon what the email said, it would send it to, um, I would send it. have it sent to TripIt. I would have it sent to Dropbox and also to Evernote. I just always like having backups in case something doesn't work. Um, and so now I use if this and that. And so when I get something from TripIt um, or any, excuse me, any airline or travel reservation um, into my email email box, it'll send it to Tripit, and then Tripit creates kind of a dossier or an itinerary for me and a plan in a uh, a plan in my uh, a travel plan for that trip in uh, Tripit, and I can use the app. I've also got it on my Apple Watch, which is great. Um, so when I get to the airport, I'm getting updates on my watch. I don't even have to have my phone out, which is brilliant. I love it. Um, and then the boarding pass. Um, I'm usually manually saving that if it comes into my email, um, I'll have it added, I'll add it to my, uh, my passbook and then I'm using either my watch or my phone. Um, like I said, I also, I still also print my boarding pass out just in case, um, something crazy happens. Like, uh, the airline gets hacked and all the systems are down and you can't do anything. So they're handwriting boarding passes. You can, you'd actually have your boarding pass, um. And so Tripit, Tripit's a big thing for me. The other application that I really like is called Gate Guru, um, and I just like it because if it's an airport that I don't know, um, it the Gate Guru you can look it up, look at your airport and what terminal terminal you're in, and find out what amenities are in the terminal that you're in. So you can find out where the coffee is, or you know where there's a restaurant to eat. Um, and I really like that app. I've been using that for a while. One that I sometimes use, depending upon. Um, the flight, how long it is, the seat, seat guru. Um, mm. And I think it's the same people that have, that, that, have made gate guru. Um, and it helps you get upgrades on seats depending upon your status and, you know, when you're flying and that kind of thing. And so um, it's nice to be able to, to get notified that, Hey, there's a seat available. And I've, I've only upgraded, I think maybe twice and I got an alert through seat guru seat guru, guru and it helped out a lot. So um, those are the two things or the three apps that I'm using the most when I, as I'm getting to the airport, um, I'm Tripit does a great job of keeping you up to date on any flight status changes. So if it's delayed, if you know um, gate change or anything like that, and then also when you're uh, if you've landed um, and you're, you've gotten to your other destination, turn your phone on. Tripit's really good about alerting you pretty quickly as to which carousel your baggage is in if you've checked baggage. So it's kind of full service. I really like the the Tripit app.
1: You know, um, it's it's interesting that, you know, Apple has this great system to put your ticket on your phone, but in order to make it really work, you always have to have the the application installed from the actual airline you're flying and whoever does the user interface for them. I think they drink a lot heavily before they decide how to make it possible (laughs) to put the ticket on your plane, because it's like you have to go through this game. And, you know, we just on our trip, my wife never could figure out how to get her ticket onto her phone. I had to do it for her. And, and they just don't make it very easy for people to do that. I think that's something that still needs to be solved.
2: Yeah, that would be nice. I like said, that's still a manual process for me. Um, the other things I they do before I get on the plane is I'm double checking time. And one of the things I do on my iPhone is um, I go into my clocks and I add the local clock to world clock to wherever it is that I'm going. So that when I go into flight mode and then I get to the location, kind of I know what time it is when I get there. Um, so I can verify that, you know, my uh, time was updated automatically and that I actually have the right time on my phone. Um, and that's just to make sure that I'm in, you know, that that um, everything else has changed as well, like my calendars. My calendars are meant to change um, this default setting in the calendars, right, to change based on my local time zone. I have it do that. And so um, that's just something that I do to just check. And then sometimes I just get antsy on the plane. And I'm looking at my phone and I kind of wonder how much time we have left in the flight. And some of the flights don't have that flight tracker thing that you can watch the flight in real time. Um, and so I'm staring at my phone. Not that it helps flight go any faster, right? But I'm staring at my phone like, how much more time do I have to be on this plane?
1: I got a tip for people. <laughs> if, if you're going on a trip and it's in a different time zone and you're setting meetings wherever you're going, uh, set that time zone in your calendar application. Uh, set a time zone when you put it in. Like if you're going to east coast and you're on the west coast and you say we're going to meet at 10 a.m next friday in new york and you're in california and you write 10 a.m then it will show up at 7 a.m when you get to new york because the, the the phone is going to try and correct that so put it in uh, with the pacific time designators so when you get to new york and the, the phone is smart enough then as long as you give it the time zone you'll be good but yeah and the,
0: the other side of that is be careful when you're creating appointments in a different time zone for when you get back to the office. Like I was in Chicago for uh, the ABA Tech Show and I was corresponding with somebody back at the office and I set a lunch appointment and ended up there an hour early, I think. I think I was an hour early. I hope I was an hour late because I just said, oh yeah, lunch at lunch at noon on Thursday. I think I, I, think I would have been an hour late had I not confirmed and realized that it was wrong. Uh, because I I forgot that I was standing in a different time zone than where I was actually going to have the lunch.
1: K- Katie, what are your uh, go to apps on travel day?
0: Um, you know, I I still use my old reliable one that I still use um, is Flight Track, but the old version of Flight Track because that has always just been the the most reliable one for me. I know there, and it's not you can't buy it anymore, so I don't even know why I mention it but the because it it had integration with um with Tripit I believe and it lost it lost it with the update so that's I still keep that on my phone if nothing else just for for notifications um the other thing that I have is I have a white noise app which I think is just called white noise um on my iPhone because I, I tend to sleep with with white noise and if there's not a fan or an air conditioner or something like that in the room, I know that that's going to bug me. So I keep the the white noise app on my iPhone to make sure that I can always have a white noise. And I used to have a simple alarm clock app on my iPhone so that I knew, even if there wasn't an alarm clock in the hotel room or wherever I was staying, that I could prop my iPhone up and just be able to at a glance see what time it was. Um, But I think with the Apple Watch and Apple Watch OS 2.0, that's no longer going to be an issue.
1: Yeah, you'll be able to, That it's got that alarm clock mode. But it really, it's no longer an issue with your phone as well. You can set an alarm just fine on your phone without a third-party app if you want. Yeah,
0: but I like being able to see what time it is.
1: Okay. Oh, got you. Got
0: yeah, you. I just want to be able yeah. to glance over in the middle of the night and see what time it is without having to reach over, pick up my phone, and tap it to see, to turn it on.
1: Well, you know, another thing I want to talk to Liana about is because we are all dependent on the internet. To get things done <laughs> and i i am just baffled by getting the internet sometimes when i get to wherever i'm going and i think this is one of liana's like ninja skills so i want to talk to her about <laughs> that uh, but before we do uh, i want to talk about our last sponsor today and that's our friends over at the omni group and in particular i'd like to talk about OmniFocus. focus um, we haven't talked about that for a while uh, as an ad spot uh, it does come up on the show quite often because we both use it every day and it's, it's just really the premier task management application on any platform in my opinion uh, they uh, the Omni group many years ago decided uh, they were going to make just the killer task management app and they and they pulled it off and Omnifocus is that application it's now at version two on both iOS and the Mac in the last year they've been really busy at improving Omnifocus for all of its users they've got a version two out on iOS, which is a universal app now so you don't have to buy it separately for the iPad and the iPhone it's one version that works on both devices. And they've got a whole system there to get the upgrade if you've already bought it on one device. So, we'll, you know, we'll direct you to the website and the show notes and you can go check that out. But it's just such a powerful application for holding things together. Uh, you, I got back from vacation last week. So in June was a crazy month for me. I had a, I went up to WWDC for a week and I thought I'd get a bunch of work done while I was up there. And of course, I didn't. I spent the whole time talking to friends of the show and kind of doing uh, Max Sparky stuff. And then I took a week vacation as well in June. So it was a really nutty month for me. And I came back and things were just crazy. And, and I realized that I was crazy because I didn't know what I wasn't, what I wasn't doing, you know, which is just a terrifying feeling. And what had happened is when I got back for a couple of days, I let OmniFocus linger. And, you know, I fell off the wagon, as they say. And I and I took an hour and I went through all my OmniFocus stuff and got everything sorted out. And now I know exactly, you know, what things I need to do to get caught up. And I felt so much better. And that's what OmniFocus brings to your life. If you, if you spend some time learning that application, um, it, it just does that for you. It's got not only does it track tasks, because there's a lot of applications that do this, it also tracks tasks in relation to their context. It uh, allows you to set priorities It allows you to plan forward so you can like set tasks at future dates and then they get out of your hair until then. Um, it allows you to review your projects on a regular basis. So you don't carry a bunch of baggage in your task list that you don't need anymore. Um, and, and all of these features are implemented with love. And I really mean that. I mean, I've been to the Omni group and I've seen how hard they work on trying to find the exact perfect way to represent this information on the screen In a way that doesn't make you feel like you're overwhelmed, but at the same time gives you what you need. These guys spend a lot of time doing that. And then they came out with this amazing Apple Watch app. And now I use that all the time. And, you know, there's a lot of people complaining about the Apple Watch not really being that good for apps yet, but the Omni group has really done a great job. And I can look at my risk and know what is, you know, catching on fire and needs my attention. I, I'm just so happy to have them as a sponsor because I love what they've done so much. And they've got a great application. If you go over to theomnigroup.com, you can download a free 14-day trial and um, of the application. They still have a money back guarantee if you, do, if you buy it in ios and you're not happy with it they'll they'll take care of you they have a 30-day return policy they have an education discount for those of you who are students and um i really credit a lot of the success i've had on my ability to keep my tasks in order and the omni focus and the omni group are why so go check it out uh, we love these guys uh one last thing I'd say is if you already have OmniFocus, there's a website called Inside Omnifocus. I'm gonna put it in the show notes where they interview people about how they're using the application. It's really great stuff, and that's a good place to go to learn some more. So check it out. Uh Omni Group and Omnifocus. Thanks for all your help. Now, Liana, um, what do we do? Cause I, I still find when I go on trips, um, I'm a little nervous about, you know, internet access. Now uh I want to talk international and domestic, if that's OK, because, you know, domestic is usually pretty simple. If you've got a cellular plan already, it's going to work on your trip. But what you don't want to do is get home and find that you used up all your data while you were in in town when you could have been using Wi-Fi and things like that. How do you get around not using data entirely when you're on a trip domestically?
2: Um, so for the, there's an app that I use called um, Earthmate. So okay, very little when you, literal when you're talking about getting around like if I want maps, Earthmate is an app that I use because I I has some uh, supporting hardware that goes with it that I use outside of my iPhone, but on my iPhone, I can download maps. The other the other um application that I can use is uh Motion GPX and that allows me to download maps and I'll always download a local map to where I am and I'm also crazy. I still print a lot of things. So I'll print a local map So, um, and the other thing I do is I create um, a list for myself of kind of emergency numbers. And if I'm traveling, um, even domestically, um, like from where I'm going, the nearest hospital, all those kinds of things, I just carry it with me. Um, So I still do a lot of of printing like that. And then I also let, I'm big on letting people know where I go. So I have an Evernote um, notebook that I share with my family that gives them that same information. So if I'm missing, um, that kind of thing. And so... Minus any kind of data or any kind of connection or something's happened, um, that's kind of what I do. And then for kind of getting around, um, I just kind of familiarize, familiarize myself with what the options are for getting around in the area. Um, and then, you know, minus any data, I just go back to the old faithful. I just ask. <laughs> um, and then uh, I will usually, if I'm at a hotel, I'll get the local map that they usually offer. I just kind of familiarize myself with, with what I'm doing. Um I really try to get a lay of like landmarks and streets, uh, street direction, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't like to look like I'm not, I don't know where I'm going. Um, so New York is a really good example. Um, there's a lot of one way streets in New York. and I'm taking the subway and getting out somewhere. And when I get out, I don't want to look like I don't know where I am or I'm trying to figure out which way I'm supposed to go next. Um, as soon as I get out of the subway, for example, I just start walking in a direction. Because I know which way certain streets go and I can immediately go, oh, wait a minute, I should be going against the traffic on this street because I want to get to this street. So really just kind of memorizing the maps. Um, but again, I think the key thing is just printing out some key things like phone numbers and addresses um, and just major cross streets and landmarks. Um, so it becomes kind of a game of um, geocaching. It's not the right game because you're looking for somebody in a geocache, but the buildings kind of are my cache and I'm using those to kind of um, navigate my way around and it's going to make it a little bit of a game. So. Um, Minus that, and if I'm domestic and I just don't have service anywhere, um, again, it's just finding somewhere hopefully that has Wi-Fi or something like that. There's not a lot. I I carry two devices that have um, my phone is AT&T. My iPad is Verizon, um, just so that I have access to two different networks. And if they both don't work, I just kind of can't do anything. But I like being able to have um, both in case um, something happens and I, I can only get service on one.
1: When I was in San Francisco for WWDC, I I walked almost everywhere I went because, you know, it's a big city and everything's in roughly the same area. But that that always concerned me of looking like the deer in the headlights tourist. Right. um, Walking through a a big city and I've never lived in a big city. So I think I already kind of have the look of a deer in the headlights anyway. And um, and something I found out this year, boy, I really appreciate the directions on the Apple watch because. Um, once you set the, so what I would do is I'd set the directions. So I was going to walk somewhere and let's say it's a mile away. Um, I would set the directions in my hotel and then say, okay, I'm going to walk there. And then immediately uh, Apple watch gets directions and the, it gives you taps, you know, it gives you solid taps if you have to turn right. And then I think it's intermittent taps if you have to turn left. And so you've got your phone in your pocket and your watch is in your, you know, on your wrist and you're maybe you've got your hands in your pockets or whatever. And it tells you with sign language or I guess uh, with, with the Taps. haptic haptic feedback when you need to turn left, when you need to right. And if you have any confusion, anytime you just pull your wrist out and you look at like, you looking, you're, you're, you're checking your time and it will say, well, in point, you know, 200 feet, turn right on mission street. And, and I was walking around San Francisco uh, really at all hours of the day. And, um, and that I really appreciate because living in the suburbs, I never really knew what the point of that was. And now I get it. Um, um, how about you, Katie? What do you do to navigate these cities when you go on trips?
0: I'm all about the GPS. In fact, I was just traveling this this weekend. Now it was a, a city a couple of hours away. But I've actually found that Apple Maps has gotten um, quite a bit better. And I've, I've just, I ask, I ask Siri, we uh we got a flat tire. We got something in our tire, and thankfully we have road hazard with the local Firestone, and it was great. It was just you know asking where's the nearest Firestone. Thankfully, it was a couple of miles away. We were able to get some air and get the tire replaced, and and it boom, it took us right there. So, but uh, you know that really doesn't help the the data problem because I'm I'm I tend to travel locally. But what about when you're you know? So I I have data. I have you know Verizon's pretty ubiquitous here. But when you're traveling internationally, do you do you try to find a local SIM and and put that in there? Do you just kind of plan that you're not going to be able to get data?
2: Um, no, I do. Yeah, exactly what you say. I actually plan to get a local SIM. Um, I buy my phones. I don't buy my phone subsidized. And so um, because of that, I can usually for Apple anyways, I've been able to call them up and just ask them to um, unlock my. Uh, device and so I've been able to use it overseas and when I get there um, uh, I'll just find uh, one of the local carriers and I usually just go with whatever the, um, I was going with a lot of times when I go to Europe I would go with the Vodafone which I believe is um, um, I forget how big they are but I, I was able to find them everywhere so I'll buy a SIM and then what I do is actually I have a Skype a local Skype number that I give like my family has and they can call that number and it'll you know, dial my I have it set up to dial me um when I'm in um whatever my new phone number is, wherever it is that I've traveled to. And so um they don't have to worry about knowing whatever that SIM number is. Um and they can just contact me, you know, either leave a message for me on Skype or I can get on Skype. But um I actually it connects so that I and I just use my data. And it can be a little expensive, but it's not people aren't calling me just to say, hey, did you know the angels won or something like that? You know, it's, it, it would be significant if they were calling me. And so I don't really worry about the data. And then um, the, as well as the text messages don't take up a lot of data. So I just do a lot of texting. Um, the thing that eats up the most of my data, like with anything else, is, of course, the um, the um, using maps. But I find that in cities like that, I kind of try to do exactly what you're saying, David, is all be in um, a place, or Katie, too, you, you find out where places are before you leave. Um, and right. then you just kind of you know, map from there. And then along the way, I, you know, I've just found myself asking, which is actually great also when you're in another country or actually anywhere, even domestically, right, to finding lots of different things. You can find, like, nice places to eat. People will recommend places or um, people have generally been helpful. So it's it's been really nice. One of the f- cool things is um, that I found when I was in Japan is um, there was, I, w- there was a, I don't remember the name of the company. I don't even know if they exist anymore because this was a couple of years ago. But I was able to find a place in Japan that I could rent. Um, uh, at the time it was LTE was pretty new. Um, Well, I think it had been in Japan for a while, but we were just getting LTE here. um, And I found a device that I could rent for a week for. It was really cheap. I want to say it was like one hundred twenty five dollars, and I think I had it for seven or eight days. And we went into the country in Japan. We went to Yudanaka and saw snow monkeys. And the LTE worked up there. And I was with, actually, I was with Alex Lindsay and a couple of other coworkers. I think there were four of us total. And we were all on this LTE device in the mountains, in the snow with snow monkeys. And we were all at the time FaceTiming with everybody back home. And it was amazing how fast it was. And I was like, wow, they have the crazy internet here. And we don't even know this at home. We were in the... In the, in the mountains with the monkeys and had amazing internet. But there are places, i say us say, there are places you can go um, and you just kind of Google your, the local place where you're going and just say, you know, MyFi rental. And that's just what I Googled. And I was able to find um, a decent price. They deliver to your hotel. And I've done this in, your, in Europe too, specifically in London. Um, well, you know, I can go to Vodafone in London and also buy a device, but then it's, you know, specific to that location. But um, you can rent them while you're there. Um, and yeah, yeah, I found that helpful.
0: Yeah, I'm going to link to an article that uh, Dan Morin wrote over at Six Colors about how easy it, and I haven't traveled internationally in a couple of years, but how easy it is now to find these SIMs and put them in an unlocked iPhone. I, it, it seems like even in um, uh, vending machines in airports now, you can just find them and buy them and, and boom, you've got data before you even leave the airport in many cases. So that's it's great to hear that's become a lot easier. Yeah, one of my
1: problems that I, I have, I've been on AT&T since they first came to iPhone. The iPhone first showed up there. And I understand the, the AT&T phone is, is less friendly to travel than the Verizon phone is. Right. Um,
0: um, the other thing that I use when I travel, and this is a relatively uh, new device that I picked up, but um, I believe it was a recommendation uh, from one of our previous guests. I'm sorry, I'm blanking who it was. Uh, but it is the Etymatics N150. It's a wireless personal hotspot, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But it's it's like 25 bucks or less, and you can pick it up on Amazon. And I took it on my last trip, and it's just, it is now a staple in my travel bag. It's, it's about the size of a tube of chapstick. That's not obsolete, right? People still have that? <laughs> um, but... It's it's about the size of a tube of chapstick. So it's it's really small and it's it's two or three devices in one if I can count. Um one is it's a it's a it's an ethernet port. So if you have a a, a com- so it connects via USB. So if you have a computer now, which all Mac laptops now no longer, well, I guess except the one that they still kind of make for education, but none of the modern Mac laptops have an ethernet port anymore. So if you plug it in via USB, you, you now have a an Ethernet port on your Mac. So that's a nice feature to have. But the other thing is it also gets power from that Ethernet port. So you plug it into any of the many devices, any of the many batteries or any of the many AC adapters that you have, um, and it's now powered and it creates a personal Wi-Fi network. Um, so think of it almost like a, a mini airport express in that sense. So you've create the you set it up once and it creates this personal Wi-Fi network and it connects to either whatever device you plug in to the Ethernet port. So if you're at a hotel that offers a wired Ethernet connection, the best bet is just to plug in directly to the Ethernet port. Um, and then you're rebroadcasting that hotel's Ethernet connection on your own network um, or it will join the hotel's wireless network and then rebroadcast that on your own separate wireless network. And um, as I
1: understand it, it also um, it also increases the signal a bit. It
0: Right. It yeah. will also rebroadcast, so increase the signal. Yeah. So in many places, you either have to pay for the, you have to pay per connection. So this allows you to pay for only one connection and, and rebroadcast it to multiple places. And preferably, if you can get a wired connection, you're getting an even better connection and rebroadcasting it to all your devices. And what I did is, here's the tip that I use. I set the um, the SSID of the device and the, the password as if it was my home guest network. So that anybody who's ever connected to my home guest network, which would likely be the people that I was traveling with, would automatically connect to it, as well as all of my devices would automatically connect to it. So as soon as it has connection and has been plugged in, all of my stuff just connects to it. Smart. So it's like zero config. More importantly, it's like zero config for all of my friends and family. They're just like, oh, I have connection here. And I'm like, yeah, you do.
1: Yeah, you don't even have to tell them how it happened.
0: (laughs) Just don't worry
2: about it. You have connection. And apparently I'm getting mine by Wednesday. I love it.
1: Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> well, that's good. Now we cost Liana some. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so there we have it. 2015 the uh the updated travel show. Any, anything we missed Liana, that's just some of your favorite gems we haven't talked about?
2: Well, I'm not. I think I mean, you know, you can go on forever. There's, there's there's a billion different things. I think one of the things that uh because I travel alone a lot, just quickly, some of the things that I carry um, I carry, uh, like, on me, I always carry a whistle and a flashlight and a, um, a multi-tool. Um, and the um, the reason I carry the whistle is, you know, any instance where there's an issue, I figure people respond to a loud whistle blast. Um, so, um, and then I carry a small flashlight in case something happens, there's a power outage. Um, then, I, then I have that. But um, those are kind of the, that, and then I clear, carry a Leatherman Micra, and the Leatherman Micro has a really, really tiny blade on it. And sometimes I have issues with TSA, but the ultimate, they ultimately they let me take it through because it really isn't, it's really like a nail file and then there's a pair of scissors and, uh, you know, it's just small, a small screwdriver. Uh, but I like having kind of those things just kind of on me. And so even if I don't have anything else with me and I have just my phone, I often have a little pouch that I'm carrying with some of those things just really for safety. Um, and then just if I can't recommend enough to people, just printing out and just making sure people know what the local... Um, you know, emergency services are wherever it is that you are in case something does happen. So, I mean, the, you know, talking about offline stuff, but um, those are the things that I think, uh, you know, barring everything else, there's those are some really important things that I think will be helpful to a lot of people. No,
1: that's that's good. And did you keep the whistle like in your pocket or like?
2: Yeah, like I, I have like a pouch that I look here, like this little hip pouch that I carry if I am going out somewhere and I'm not taking everything with me that my phone fits in. And so it's just one of the things that's in my in my little pouch with my phone. Um, and if if I'm carrying a backpack, a lot of times I'll attach it to the strap on the backpack, so it's just very easily accessible. Um, I never had to use it, but <laughs> nice to have. Well, nice to you know, know it's there. Yeah. It makes
1: sense. I mean, I, when I was in San Francisco, I, I left a party at like 1 a.m. and um, and I was about a mile away from my hotel, and I was thinking about walking there. And then one of the there was a there was a developer there, a guy knows younger guy, and he lives in the city. I'm like, so now which way do I walk to get home? And he's like you know, I kind of live near you. I'll just walk with you <laughs> and for a minute. I'm like, oh man, I'm the old man. And now they want to walk me home. And then, and and then, uh, then it occurred to me, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take him up on the offer. <laughs> Cause you know, you're walking around in the middle of the night. You don't really know what could happen when you think about it. Right.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, this was fun. I mean, hopefully that was helpful. I know I ramble a lot, so. <laughs>
0: no, I think, it, I think it was great. That's my well,
1: job on the show, frankly. You know, so I'll just yeah. let you know.
0: Well, Liana, we've got links to everything, I think, I hope, that you talked about. And if not, people will email us uh, in the show notes that you can find at our website at uh, relay.fm slash MPU. I think this is uh, slash 268 is this episode number. Uh, where would you like to send people so that they can find out a little more about you or what you do? Any, any particular place? Sure, thanks. Um, at the top of the show, I forgot to mention kind of a huge thing. Actually, some friends
2: and I actually started a company this year called SignalWorks. Uh, Signal, S-I-G-N-A-L, Works, W-O-R-X. And it's just SignalWorks.com. And it's just all of our work and the stuff that we're doing now. So um, I, I'm doing some other stuff on top of that. But that would be the best place to kind of just follow everything that we're doing. And then uh, personally, um, just at Leonalehua Lehua uh, on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet a lot, honestly. I'm less on social these days. But uh, if I'm going to do anything, it's probably on Twitter. <laughs>
0: Well, we will, we will definitely add those links to the show notes. And then you can find us on Twitter. The show is Mac Power Users. I'm Katie Floyd. Uh, David is Mac Sparky. And if you've got any feedback for the show, uh, you can send that using the hashtag AskMPU. Um, or if you go to our website, there's also a link where you can contact us and, and send your feedback in that way. So, uh, Liana, it's been a real pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Uh, and we will see you all next time.